So I'm going to read the Gospel reading from our uh, Church Bibles, uh, John 15, and we can find that on page 1083. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Okay, so first of all, we have to make sure the Technology is working? Yes, great. And hopefully this will as well. Uh, thank you for the uh, privilege of allowing me to uh, try and elucidate God's word uh, to us here this morning. I thought it would be quite interesting to uh, put the Hebrew, I'm not going to read Hebrew because I can't read Hebrew, uh, but it's nonetheless quite interesting to, to see. There it is in the Hebrew, and it's a, a Hebrew obviously says a lot more, more in a shorter space than English does <laughs> when you compare it. What does it mean to fear the Lord? Like a lot of theological language, we really need to do a bit of interpretation to understand what's being said. Uh, In modern culture, if you said fear something, fear someone, you would be conveying the image of being scared of them. This, of course, is not the idea that is being communicated by Scripture here. It is not saying, be frightened of God. Rather, when you look at the word that's being translated here as fear in Hebrew, yare, probably not pronouncing that correctly, but the meaning of the word is really more reverence or or honour or respect or um, be in awe of God. Being in awe of God, fearing the Lord, is a matter both of the the heart and the mind, Uh, both of our our beliefs and our attitudes. Uh, Remember James saying about uh, even the demons believe that there's a God, but they They fear him in the sense of being scared of him. They tremble at him. Whereas we believe that there is a God and respond to him uh, in love, in reverence and and honour, the correct attitude towards the one that we believe is there. And fearing the Lord in this way, naturally, organically, should lead us to following the Lord. Uh, Faith without works is dead. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, 
and who walk in his ways. There's a, a natural connection there. Who walk in obedience to him. Uh, interestingly enough, over the last couple of years, I've been doing quite a lot of writing and research on the nature of spirituality, um, particularly applying this within the educational world. Uh, and I came up with this brief definition of, of what it is to have a, a spirituality. This is a sort of term that gets banded around a lot these days, but without much definition. And I reckoned that a spirituality just was your set of beliefs about the, the basic nature of reality, coupled with the attitudes of your heart towards what you believed about the world, which together led you to behaving in certain characteristic ways. But of course, I didn't invent this understanding of spirituality. The Bible got there first. Blessed are all those who fear the Lord, both in the sense of beliefs and attitudes, and who walk in obedience to him. Or as Jesus taught in answer to the question about the greatest commandment we just had in the liturgy, it is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your attitudes, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength, everything that you do in response to that. Then the psalm moves on to talk about eating the fruit of your labor. I suppose you could take this literally within the psalm, but also at a metaphorical level. Think of uh, Proverbs 11:18, which says, Those who sow righteousness reap a sure reward. That those who fear the Lord and walk in his ways will reap the benefit of so doing. And then the rest of the psalm goes on with this list of blessings. And I guess it would be quite easy to view this in a rather um, cynical way, really. Um, It it smacks a little bit of of the health and wealth gospel, if you've heard of this. Certain um, areas of the church sort of preach this this gospel of, of, of love God and follow him and and everything will be rosy in your life. It'll all be a bed of roses and you'll have, you know, lovely things and the, God wants to bless you and that's interpreted in a sort of materialistic kind of way. And you can certainly quote bits of the Bible in a sort of proof-texty kind of a way to support that kind of view of things. And you might get that slight uncomfortable feeling that Psalm 128 seems to sort of be saying that. Well, it's interesting that Psalm 128 is followed immediately by Psalm 129, which talks about the faithful people of God uh, being persecuted by the nations around and feeling that the plough is going up and down their back like a plough going through the fields, uh, and yet God is still going to bless them. Um, so there's a bit of a corrective there. I mean, the, the entire book of Job, in a sense, is a corrective to this idea that if you love and honour the Lord, then you will be materially blessed. Nonetheless, there is an element of truth in this. Just take one example. I don't have any grandchildren. 
I don't even have any children. Um, but I do have a goddaughter. Uh, this is my goddaughter, Abigail. So I found an excuse to smuggle a photo of her into church. Uh, may you live to see your children's children. This is one of the, the blessings that come from following the Lord. Well, it is interesting to note, uh, this is Laura Pisano summarizing uh, the results of various scientific studies on the relationship between uh, religious faith and health. She says that research has demonstrated that faith in a supreme being produces significant beneficial effects on health, including lowering blood pressure, protecting against heart disease, improving surgical outcomes, lessening recovery time, increasing feelings of well-being, ameliorating depression, improving the ability to cope with stress, whilst lessening the adverse psychological effects. Among the elderly, those who live in faith tend to live longer. Isn't that interesting? Of course, we're talking statistical averages here, but nonetheless, science has shown that there actually is a link between believing in the Lord and living long enough to enjoy your great-grandchildren. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> One more aspect to point out here. There, there, there are family blessings that are mentioned in the psalm that I've highlighted here. And there are community blessings mentioned in the psalm. And indeed, the that the context of the, the blessing of the family is the context of the blessing of the whole community of God. I've been very helped in thinking about the nature of community and indeed communion in the religious sense by reading the works of an atheist philosopher. Uh, this is a French atheist philosopher called André Comte-Sponville. It's great, isn't it? Uh, not everything atheist philosophers say is wrong. Uh, and uh, this guy has given some insight uh, that really opened my eyes in this area. So let me share that with you briefly. He says, in monotheistic cultures, that's cultures who believe in one God, people are, are bound together, horizontally, so to speak, by the fact that all of them feel bound to God vertically. It's like the, the warp and woof of the religious material. The community of believers is as powerful as this double bond is solid. And here's the key point. He says, for it's communion that creates community. It's communion that creates community, far more than the other way around. It's a communion that turns a human group into a community instead of a, a series of juxtaposed competing individuals. And he gives this lovely illustration of the point with cake. He says, to commune is to share without dividing. That might sound paradoxical. Where material goods are concerned, it is indeed impossible. People cannot commune in a cake. Uh, because the only way to share it is to divide it. The more of us who want to share the cake, the less cake each of us is going to get, unfortunately. 
But then he says, in a family or a group of friends or community, people can commune in the pleasure they take in eking a cake together. We enjoy the fact that we're all enjoying eating the cake together. He says, all share the same delectation, but without having to divide it up. Okay, the more of us there are, the less cake each of us gets, but it's not like the more of us there are, the less enjoyment each of us gets of the fact that we're all enjoying eating cake together. Indeed, there's a sense in which the more of us there are, the more enjoyment we have in the sharing of the cake or in the sharing of the communion. As Jesus said in the Gospel reading that we had, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in in you, if a man remains in me and I in him, he'll bear much fruit. That is, discipleship to, to Jesus, to bring in the New Testament perspective is its own blessing in and of itself. Psalm 128 says, you'll eat the fruit of your labor. And if you take that as the labor of obeying the Lord that you fear, we could then bring in, say, Galatians 5.22, very naturally. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's interesting in this context to note that the the word we're translating as prosperity here, or the the prosperity of Jerusalem, the, the root word in the Hebrew there is the word for beauty. It's not just uh, the idea of materialistic gain. And is fearing the Lord naturally results in following the Lord, which results in beauty from the Lord, in, in spiritual prosperity from the Lord. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him, Paul from Romans, picking up on a verse from Isaiah, says, as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. What beauty comes upon those who obey the Lord's commands in following him and spreading his kingdom, in increasing his community. So in summary, we can say this. As we respond to God's love for us with all of our mind and heart and strength we will reap what we sow and while it is good for us both as individuals and as a community to live God's way in God's world as you'd expect there is no guarantee of worldly material blessing but discipleship to Jesus is its own blessing, is its own reward that makes us more beautiful as we follow him more closely at both a personal level and a communal level. Thank you, Pete.